Super chat. Do you feel run over by the motor car that is tech news? Are stupid metaphors dumb? Are you still using Windows 98? Are you a Mac user? Are you a Linux chad? Super Tech is here for you. Your number one premium tech news podcast. <laughs> Where we talk about tech stuff. For honestly too long. Yes. Super Tech! I'm Mark. I'm Enza. And I'm Monty. I cover hardware. I cover software. And I cover many miscellaneous topics. Yeah, so today's hardware news, Threadripper 3000 seems to be showing up in Hardware Z uh, listings, meaning that it is likely that there is an impending launch of a brand new 7 nanometer 32 core AMD chip that is not epic. Wait, Sapphire hold on, Mark. has just teased the radio. Wait, 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 wait. Mark, it's not epic? What's that mean? Uh, epic with a Y is AMD's uh, new server chip. Uh, scales up to 64 cores. Wow. And uh, currently, Whoa. Uh, AMD's Threadripper, which is their high-end desktop line, uh, is relegated to their last gen. And uh, according to these listings, it is likely that Threadripper 3000 will show up. So just to be clear, so Epic is AMD's like server line of processors, correct? Yeah, like Intel Xeon. And then Threadripper is her consumer line, per yes. se? Okay. Well, uh, high-end consumer. Consumer is Ryzen. Okay. So, uh, brand new MSI TRX40 motherboards have been spotted. So this was uh, this week and through M uh, Wi-Fi listings. And there's also new stuff on the Intel 400 series motherboard entries at Sci Software. Uh, apparently, ECS is pretty good at leaking motherboards. And then, furthermore, there's some rumors of an NVIDIA GeForce GTX 1616 Super and a GTX 1650 Ti rumored to be in the works. The Sapphire Radeon RX 5700 Nitro apparently is arriving September 16th. Uh, the new Navi line of AMD GPU seems to be pretty competitive and is shaping up to be some of the best competition against NVIDIA that AMD has put out in years. Just, like, explore this a little bit. So what does that mean for average Joe like me? So yep. what am I going to do? So average Joe like you, honestly, the Threadripper probably doesn't impact you very much, and neither does the Navi. But the new NVIDIA 1650 Ti's, that could mean something for the average consumer because they're in squarely in the lower mid-range, which means uh, they should, uh, going by the 1050 Ti, they probably won't have an auxiliary power connector, which means it'll be able to run off your motherboard, which means you'll be able to slot it into your HP or Dell OEM PC. And so hopefully we'll be able to be seeing brand new low-power chips for smaller systems. But... Uh, yeah, new consumer chips coming out is good. And also, more news, this isn't specifically this week, but Intel's uh, set to enter the GPU market in 2020 with a new line of like probably mid-range graphics cards, potentially lower range. We're not sure yet. There's not much information. There's some Intel renders of graphics cards that don't exist. But uh, hopefully, with a third player entering the GPU market, prices will be lower, competitiveness will be restored between AMD and NVIDIA, and Intel. So imagine that, Intel shaking up an industry. Wow. Any Very other cool, questions man. for Average PC Joe? Nope. Average PC Joe has been satisfied for now. Nice. All right. Now on the software front, Enzo, you yeah. take the mic. For software news, there is a new version of Firefox. Ooh, uh, Firefox, yay! <laughs> I like My Firefox. favorite! <laughs> this new version uh, contains many new... Uh, what version? What's called? Version call? 69. Ooh. Nice! Uh, and it has um, no third-party tracking cookies, which means... Oh, that's cool. Does yeah, it block them? Yeah, it blocks them, 
It's got... Do any other browsers do that? No. Only Firefox. Yeah, Firefox! Anyway. So, <laughs> there's... Uh, they've added a ton of new security features, and every update, Firefox is, is just securing the browser more. So, another one of these uh, security fixes is there's no more crypto mining for the CPU. That's kind of the question of whether you want huge ads or, crypto or if you want now. just something in the background that uses a few more CPU cycles. It's certainly an interesting idea. Yeah, hopefully in the future we'll see some sort of a um, voluntary crypto mining so you get to skip the ads. Um, also, uh, on the most secure mode for Firefox, there's no fingerprinting at all, which means um, companies can't create, like, a profile of what you're doing. Oh, cool. Or, well, they can't know, like, who you are. It makes it a lot more difficult. But Firefox is doing, um, a lot for the regular end user. So, and in other software news, um, many small towns are getting overrun with ransomware attacks, uh, such as the town of Wilmer, um, which is one of 22 cities in Texas their town systems are being held hostage by ransomware. These uh, ransomware attacks cost a ton of money for the towns to fix. The city of Baltimore um, spent pretty much $18 million um, repairing their computer systems from malware. Yeah, that's a lot. So, I mean, upgrade from Windows XP, come on. <laughs> Anyways. So, wait, was it because of just lack of security or security updates on their systems or old yeah, equipment? Yeah, it can be a combination of lots of vulnerabilities. Yeah, lots of the towns, specifically for the small towns, their computer systems are really old and vulnerable. And I guess so were Baltimore's. Are these targeted attacks or are these just kind of random in the blue happen to infect the town's data? Well, you know, it's, it's really hard to tell, but there's a good chance that it's, it's both of those. Nice. Now it's blowing through your feet into my nose. Uh, it's, it kind of brings up the question of whether towns want to actually pay the Bitcoin ransom or pay for professionals to fix it. Because um, one, one town paid only about like $180,000 to get the, the ransomware off in Bitcoin. And then Baltimore is here spending $18 million. So he might just want to give hackers what they want. Did they actually get all their files back? Like, uh, well, <laughs> you know, I'm not quite sure. Well, I think, cause I, that's, I think, the, I think cause that's kind of the problem with ransomware. It's like you could pay whoever is holding your data ransom. But they have but, no obligation to give it to you, right? Exactly. Yeah, the ones so it's kind of it's kind of a gamble of, messed you up in the of first getting place, your so. stuff back. So. so keep off-site backups always if you're a small uh, town. Yeah, that's a good idea. Some, some small towns just don't have that infrastructure, unfortunately. Oh, and also more cool hardware stuff. So... The, the foldable phone from Samsung is apparently coming out pretty soon. And foldable phones are pretty cool because you can have more of a 4 to 3 aspect ratio, which is really nice because people have been fixating on the 16 to 9 aspect ratio, which is great for consuming movies, but not much else. Just a longer phone, but then you unfold it and it becomes square and more comfortable and nice. So it's almost like reading a book and you can fold it up and stick it in your pocket or like a wallet. So they'll probably be a little thicker, but OLED is cool. So, And now... Pass the mic to Monty. That's me. All right. So since I'm covering more miscellaneous things, so I had a certain topic which kind of relates to what Enzo and Mark were talking about previously, which was the computer system thing and obsolete equipment 
that raises the question, like, how is this equipment, why, how and why is this equipment still being used? The reason why I bring this up is if you go back 20 years in time, let's say, and the current operating systems are like Windows 98, 9X, 2000, you never saw computers. Yeah, you, well, maybe not. But you never saw like computer systems from, at that time, 10 years old, 20 years old. You never saw that because at the time, technology was moving so fast. So then today, does that imply that technology isn't moving as fast? So that's what I'm going to discuss today. And some of that includes like, just a common example, Windows XP. Like we, we all have heard of it. And still, we know it's still being used in these on voting machines. Voting machines, <laughs> I, I suppose. Yeah, like hospital, I've, we've seen it everywhere. But yeah, there's been a lot of like the British hospitals. Those were during the uh, what, what was the really big crypto jacking thing that brought like ransomware into like WannaCry. Yeah, WannaCry. Yeah. yeah. So that that got like lots of Europe and the U.S. and all over the place. Yeah. And that was a state actor, though, right? Or at least it was suspected to be. Anyway, but, this is also what's affecting lots of small towns, too. Yeah, so on the, on the same vein of security. Yeah, so anyway, it's... why why Let's start with why they're able to get away with this. So first off, we can assume that software and hardware have been... I wouldn't say moving slower in terms of like speed and development. However, the software side hasn't become isn't as demanding as it used to be. So for example, like Windows 7, which is like two versions after XP, you can run on fairly low hardware and still get away with it. And that requirement for like the system requirements for like Windows 7, you know, like one gigabyte of RAM and certain like single core CPU is not very high. Those requirements haven't changed to Windows 10, which was released six years after so Windows 7. So you're saying that the use case of people is basically staying the same, especially if like big businesses, they aren't changing their enterprise data anymore because it's already where it basically has to be. And so that's causing them to not upgrade their operating systems, which is causing them to open up a bunch of security vulnerabilities. Is that correct? Uh, kind of. It's just that the, the software isn't as demanding on the hardware as, say, in the 90s or 80s. Because so hardware... no need to upgrade. Yeah. Okay. If yeah. Anyway, and then so in XP's case, we reached the because XP is kind of this weird case where Microsoft supported it all went from its initial release date in 2001 all the way to 2014. Now they have mandated their security lifecycle for Windows to 10 years instead of XP's 13 years. And even then, there was still versions of XP's such as POS which is point of service systems, so like ATMs, as Mark mentioned earlier, which were updated all the way to mid-2019. Like, that's 18 years for an operation. That's ridiculous. So does that mean ATMs could be vulnerable to these kind of attacks as well? Yes. No. Has there been any sort of documented attacks on ATMs recently, or is it are they mostly focused on, like, uh, credit card scamming? Well, I wouldn't say uh, ATM specifically, scanning. but XP... As an operating system, WannaCry, big right, one, yeah. that was a big recent one. Did that get ATMs as well? Did it just go through everything? Well, I'm going to assume Internet so, connected? because there are some point-of-service systems still running XP. Right, But yeah. let's move away from XP specifically. So I've already talked about why software isn't as demanding as it used to be. So we can also talk relate this to Moore's Law, 
which is, for those who are unfamiliar with it, like the progression of CPU power and computing power as per year. So now we've reached the point, so let's go back in history to early 2000s, so like 2003, 2004. There was something you may have heard of called the clock speed war. This is where Intel, PowerPC, and Apple and AMD. at the time, AMD was kind of involved. They were the first to hit a gigahertz. Yeah, but beyond that, they weren't a huge name in this. But anyway, it was trying to clock the speeds as high as they could. So, like, AMD would release, I mean, sorry, not AMD. Intel would release a processor like Pentium 4 at the time at 3 gigahertz. Right. And then... So this was after the uh, Thunderbird 1 gigahertz AMD processors. This, yeah, they, this they were kind well of like kick-started the gigahertz war. But then it continued and birthed the atrocity that was Pentium 4. Uh, when you optimize for clock speeds and ignore everything else, such as the IPC, the output, whatever else. Okay, so, yeah, but moving Arguably. on. Arguably. So then there was Apple, which at the time wasn't using Intel, using PowerPC. They were trying to get their clock speeds as high as possible, too. IBM. And the main limiting thing, like, why could, I mean, Intel and IBM. Power, I need to stop by saying AMD. IBM, PowerPC, why couldn't they get their processor as high as they wanted? That was, main limitation was heat. These processors got so hot. So hot, in fact, that Apple had to water cool some of their computers. Yeah, a notable to example being the G5, right? It's the only example. Oh, man. Had to water cool their computers. But anyway, regardless, what, is this, what does any of this have to do with computing speed? Well, when we hit that threshold of, oh my gosh, it's too hot. We can't run this anymore. We just knocked so, over the fan. Wait, wait. Now it's blowing on Enzo's legs. Nice. And those legs are nice and cool. Now the thing is, Mark, when everything falls over, you need to not. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's fine. I'm being honest. Uh, our production values are not as high as they could be. But uh, at least... Oh, okay. All right. But Anyways, we can always multitask. So anyway, we have... And then came along in 2006, finally, until the, oh, the clock speed war is over because we can't get our clocks any higher. Then came multiple cores, and that changed everything because now... CPUs could cores, meaning they could do two things at once. And so now Moore's Law isn't measured by clock speed anymore. It's not just raw speed. Now it became a lot more complex. There's also this other thing called hyperthreading. You may have heard of, I don't know what AMD's equivalent of hyperthreading is. Simultaneous multi-threading. Yeah, that. Which allowed basically a processor to do two thing, two instructions at the same time. And combine that with multiple cores, now we have like six core CPU with 12 threads meaning you can do 12 instructions at the same time per, well, I don't know how you describe it, but anyway. It increases the parallelization uh, throughput of a processor by letting the operating system see two, uh, one logical core, or no, one physical core is two logical cores. And on current IBM uh, server processors, their uh, multi-threading capabilities can make it so that there can be up to eight threads running on a single core, meaning that their 20-core 20, 20 processor is seen as like 160-core uh, on the PC. So that's good for IBM. IBM is pretty decent in the parallelization server market, but parallelization is uh, harder for especially desktop tasks. Uh, desktop tasks generally run more in serial, so in sequence. So high core counts aren't as useful, although AMD is changing this now with the release of their very high core count chips spurring Intel to do the same and forcing software developers to start optimizing for more cores. So hopefully we'll see 
more parallel workloads on the PC uh, in the coming few years. So that's pretty cool. And also in uh, hardware this week, so Apple's going to have its wild keynote in four days. So we'll probably get back to you then with like a, some sort of a report about what they did. Uh, I'm hoping for new laptops that don't suck and don't have bad keyboards, but we'll see. So yeah. Speaking of laptops that don't suck, you know, that's another contributing factor to the why people use old systems. Because now for Windows 10 era, let's say, they are it's Windows 10 is designed for a wide variety of computers, all the way from like epic gaming machines that require lots of power to just like mine to smartphones, which don't have that much power. So Windows 10 needs, for for example, needs to scale to all of these different kind of processors. And let's say a smartphone in this design use case isn't powerful. So therefore, you don't need that much power to run it. You can use it. So if I were to get the most overkill hardware now, and the software standards don't raise or get any more demanding than they now than they are now, I can use that hardware for a good long time. And that's exactly what happened with XP. Because it came out in 2001 and again was supported all the way to 2014 when computers were way more powerful than they were obviously 10 years ago, 2001. So that allowed people to move them or use them longer. Nice. That's pretty much it. Now here's a little more hardware news. So apparently there's a, a new technology coming out which is doing simple processing on the DRAM chips themselves on a RAM chip, meaning simple operations like AND and NAND and whatever would be running on the DRAM, which would probably... Or yeah, X or whatever, all the, all the basic ones. I, I never took comp sci, so... But uh, basically... This would allow for more efficient operation since it wouldn't have to be running on the CPU. And then another quick piece of news, uh, Global Foundries is suing TSMC over what they claim is patent infringement. And TSMC claims this is baseless, but if Global Foundries gets its way, TSMC would stop manufacturing, or um, TSMC would stop manufacturing basically all the chips they're doing. So like Apple and Nvidia and whatever else and uh, except for AMD because AMD is not affected because Global Foundries was spun off of AMD. But uh, we'll see what happens because that would be pretty messy if it worked out. But probably it'll just be an allegation more. Now, he's been furiously That's just the show the for this minutes. week. Thanks for tuning in. Yeah. That's it? Oh, no. Oh, uh, wait. What was your sound again? <laughs>